0: Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete That keeps
1: crawling its
0: way Keep your heart off your sleeve
1: Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 20. Complex Relationships. The longer we are here, the more we begin to understand the social structures of the village. Who holds the power? Who is friends with whom? And who is not? although this latter element seems to be a fluid and ever-changing thing. The complex interrelations between the families are too much to fathom so quickly in their entirety, and this is not helped by the fact that people seem to live together in quite random combinations, and children by no means always live with their parents, but might live with their aunt or grandfather or someone not related to them at all. Aris, being son to one of the founding fathers of Bohowo, knows everything about everybody in sometimes quite astonishing detail. He can tell you who are first cousins, second cousins, who moved to the village from where and how long ago, how many children they have, what the children's names are and so on. He does his best to explain everything to us, but it's hard to remember everything, especially since we don't know everybody yet and Phil hasn't much idea about any of it, despite having spent far longer here than I have. This wealth of detailed knowledge is in such stark contrast with our own lives, where we barely know who lives next door. But then our lives are lives of international travel and disparate, far-flung families and friends, whereas the people here rarely go far from the village, which is their whole world. We've offered neoman a day trip with us to the Highlands, But he always politely refuses, and when pressed, he explains that there is no family there. So even a few hours away is more than can be comfortably dealt with, it seems. And then there are the names, of which people seem to have several. First and foremost is a Nama baptism, which we would call the Christian name. But these are not often used as everyday names, and hardly ever in their entirety. Whereas in England, we tend to use the first part of a name as a shortened version, here they use the end. For example, with Yeoman's children, we might call Sebastian Seb, whereas they use Tian. Einstein, Sebastian's elder brother, is always Ein, so we thought that here was an exception to that general rule until we realised that of course it isn't. They are using the end of the name, which is the same as the beginning. Einstein is a name which crosses cultural boundaries. With the girls, it's Maakang, ma'ara, ma'ari, ma'ade, and so on, which are beautiful names, in my opinion, but they aren't used often, and people refer to other people by various names and at different times. When it comes to learning more about the people amongst whom we will soon be living, getting past the names is hard enough. Without getting the hang of who is related to whom, in which often highly complicated way. Nyoman itself is a Balinese name, given to number four son, so everybody thinks he comes from Bali. He was named by his father's friend who was from Bali, hence the name, even though our Newman is actually number five. So some latitude is apparently allowed, which only adds further to the confusion.
0: Sama ruang, sama tua
2: Sean is particularly interested in how the police force operates in this part of Indonesia, the answer being that it doesn't, necessarily, and certainly not unless it is paid to do so. Amongst their civic duties are traffic control, which rather involves setting up roadblocks and checking all passing vehicles for whatever is their fancy at the time. It may, for example, be a warning triangle in case of a breakdown. And if there isn't one on board, then the driver is fined 50,000 rupee on the spot, which is about three quid. So everyone buys warning triangles, only to find that next month it might be a fire extinguisher, I suppose in case the car spontaneously combusts in transit. We've been stopped a couple of times, and we pay. To do otherwise is really too much trouble, and may lead to further unwanted police involvement in one's affairs. In any case, in common with most of the people we encounter here, the police are on the whole nice, smiley people, and everyone parts friends. It's the way things are over here, so there isn't much we can do about it anyway. Most village disputes, accusations of robbery and so on in the villages, are settled by the headman, where the two families involved might be called together so that judgment may be made, and an amicable solution found. Otherwise matters may be settled by organized bare-fist fighting, where families will elect their best fighter to engage in combat, last man standing or the first man conceding defeat settling the matter to the satisfaction of all. This principle is also taken into the realms of village-wide disputes, where an agreed number of men will fight in organized fashion until one side concedes, which may be over a boundary dispute, mining rights or some such matter. Even killing someone here isn't necessarily a punishable offence. There is a man called Salis in the village, who is one of the many fishermen from whom we have bought fish. The wives always sell the fish, and since we don't know his wife's name, we call her Mrs. Fish, and further, between us and the lodge staff, his mother, who also sells us fish, is known as Mrs. Fish Banyat Blah Blah Blah, to distinguish her from the other fishermen's wives because she talks rather a lot. In this specific subgroup of village society, Salis's wife is Mrs. Fish No-Signal, because she is rather hard of hearing, and one of the other wives is quite young and pretty, and she tends to wear loose-fitting and insubstantial vests, so she we call Mrs. Fish Little-Bit-Sexy. In any event, when Salus was about 18, he hacked his father to death with a machete. The police were called in this case, but no action was taken, as the father was not considered to be a good man and was abusive to Salas' mother. So all concluded and agreed that he had it coming, and Salas was free to go about his business. Salas is now known, in Bohowo Lodge parlance, as Mr. Choppy Choppy.
0: sorry that I did this, the blood is on my hands, I stare at my reflection. Don't know who I am Practice my confession In case I take the stand I'll say I learned my lesson I'll be a better man I'm packing up my things And I'm wiping down the walls I'm rinsing off my clothes And I'm walking through the halls I did it all for her So I felt nothing at all I don't know what she'll say So I'll ask her when she calls Would you love me more more? If I killed someone for you 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 hold my hands, they're the same ones that I used When I killed someone for you
1: Regardless of names and social structures, the common thing amongst the village folk is that they have almost no money beyond that which they need to buy food from day to day and to cover the most basic requirements of life. Even this isn't a given. And one essential aspect of living in such a tightly interconnected community is that someone always has a bowl of rice and vegetables to offer, so nobody need go hungry. Birthdays are often celebrated by the preparation of a special family meal although no presents are given. And at Christmas, each family is expected to provide a fine spread of food for anyone who visits their home. Christmas Day is the most important day in the village calendar and also the most expensive. So in order to have enough money put by, various associations have been set up within the village which hold funds into which little money is deposited when possible to be released at Christmas. For example, there is the Fishermen's Association, the Fisherman's Wives Association, and so on. There is also an Associasi Arangmati, or Dead People Association, and we wonder how well-attended meetings of such an organisation must be until it is explained to us that this is a specific association set up to pay for funerals in order to give people a good send-off. People may, in times of dire need, borrow from these associations, and this is where the problems begin. And now we meet Mr. Seblem. Mr. Seblem looks after about five children, not all of which are his, and somehow he is in debt to one association to the tune of three million rupiah, with no hope of paying it back by Christmas, and probably ever. Mr. Seblem is another one who is handy with the woodwork tools, and since it has become known that we are looking for carpenters, Aris comes to us with a proposition to save Christmas for the village. We pay off Mr. Seblim's debts, which are about 172 quid, and he will pay us back in kind by making us some furniture. It's a proposition that we can scarce refuse. Mr. Seblem seems like a decent chap, with a lot of children to feed and clothe, and so we now have three people making furniture, which is almost an embarrassing excess of carpenters, but there it is, and it seems that when it comes to village carpenters, and rather like the weather here, it never rains, but it pours.
0: Motherland, cradle me Close my eyes, blind me to see Keep me safe, lie with me Stay beside me, don't go
1: Don't you go Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions.
2: Bill's Big Bag of
1: Onions is a Guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.